Hi, my name is Ben Conley, and I serve as Director of Training for Saturate. Welcome to this episode of the Saturate Podcast. Today on the Saturate Podcast, we're launching a mini-series around the concept of genuine community. Today, you'll hear from Bob Goff, Doug Logan, and Melissa Ice. I got to have a chat with these three friends because I wrote a book called A Field Guide for Genuine Community that came out this summer. The heart behind the book is to help followers of Jesus move from facade into being a family. In this moment, as we move from a year of isolation into a post-COVID reality, we won't merely return to forms of community that we experienced before 2020. Our hope and prayer is that this book will help us find a new normal and that we'll find something deeper and truer as we all become a spiritual family together. If you're a regular listener to the Saturate podcast, then community is not a new concept to you. But I hope that in this episode, you'll be reminded of the great joy that's found in genuine community, as well as the need for community in our reconciling, redemptive work that is part of our call as followers of Jesus. You can head to genuinecommunity.com for more info on the book, as well as a lot of other resources, and to download the first chapter. And you can become a Saturate member at saturatetheworld.com. There you'll find hundreds of resources on living in genuine community, as well as on everyday discipleship and life on mission. But for now, let's kick off this mini-series with our first interview. Bob Goff? Hey, how you doing there? Good. Thank you so much for joining me today. I asked Bob how he wanted me to introduce him, and he just said, say, hey, here's Bob. So here's Bob. (laughs) (laughs) We don't need any titles, right? He's just like, Jesus called people like friend or brother or sister, or he gave them a nickname. There you go. All right, Bob, what does genuine community look like for you? I think it's a place where you do authenticity. Faith is a big deal for me. It's not for everybody. Wouldn't expect it to be. Um, But I'm thinking about how the folks who were friends of Jesus early on got together. It says they broke bread together and they had things in common. I love that. And it wasn't just like pounding carbs. Uh, they were like, really had things together. You know, you wouldn't want my car. <laughs> it's got 100,000 miles. So you don't want uh, to swap pink slips with me. Um, but to just say that we have common experiences, common things. So it's not just similar ideologies or opinions. It's to share a couple experiences. And that's the part I want. Um uh, that's what is the hallmark of really deep community, shared experiences with a ton of authenticity. I love that answer. I think so much community becomes this vague, out there, ethereal theology kind of thing. And the way you're talking about it, like it's it's just tangible. It's it's everyday life. And that's so weird. Yeah. It's not just identifying with similar principles or similar viewpoints or similar worldviews, but to actually experience something, go through something together, do something beautiful or hard or something even better that's directed to somebody else. Yeah, yeah. What is it about that? Because it sounds ideal, sounds utopian, perhaps even. What is it that makes it so hard to actually find that kind of community? You know what? It actually is uh, out there. It's everywhere. (laughs) So I think we just need to decide. I just came back from three days of uh, doing that, where we just got a bunch of people together and said, let's just 
spend some time here and make three days feel like three weeks. And um, and so that kind of intentionality with your time, not telling people what to do, but reminding people who they are, that's where all the good stuff happens. And then we get to discover the beauty in the other people. And it isn't just this squishy, you know, unicorns and confetti thing, uh, but to but, be sad about some stuff that are making people sad. And so creating, first of all, a safe place for people can do it so they can get as real or not as they'd like with no pressure. It doesn't feel artificial or contrived. Um, and then setting aside the time to do it, to say this is going to happen. So I wouldn't expect, uh, like talking to you from my garage, that it's going to happen here, but I could intentionally say, hey, next week I'm going to get together with this person at Starbucks or this person, make them pay. <laughs> and that'll instantly create some community. <laughs> and other than them paying, uh, does anything come to mind as far as weather from those three days or just in, in general, like a couple of favorite glimpses you've gotten to have, your favorite part of community? Yeah, um, usually uh, setting up the time to just say, this is what it's going to be about. I remember in this last couple of days, we decided at the beginning, I was, uh, that we would just make our, a family out of ourselves. We're not trying to be the same. We're trying to be one. So that was the idea. One of the many that Jesus shared in John 17, he said, my goal, my hope is that they would be one. And so you don't need to be the same to be one. You just need to be present, like fully present. So the first thing we do is have people just say like, I'm just here. Um, and part of like what you're doing in focusing people on the beauty of community, it just gets people present. They're starting to think about these things. And then um, with a ton of intentionality and creatively, I think you're just inviting people into that. So that's it. Just people deciding. And you think it doesn't involve anything other than deciding we're doing this thing yeah what a great first step that is that is you're right that's part of why we are inviting folks into genuine community through this book is to move from this kind of facade we have to stay removed we can't be ourselves into what you even mentioned in the first answer like authenticity into vulnerability that's hard but there's something so beautiful I'm just so glad you've teed it up. Um, sometimes we we mean to uh, pay some attention to this. We just don't get around to it in the rush of life and all that. So there's no bad guy in this, but we get to move from saying we're a victim or we're a hero to say, you know what? I don't want to be a victim. I don't want to be a hero. I want to be a participant. And when you have people showing up with that, like palms up and cool stuff happens. Yeah. It's almost like the scriptures talk about rich and poor and male and female and just everybody. There's this great kind of not, not uniformity, but, but to your point, unity. That yeah. I had a really neat experience. It was a number of years ago in India, there was a little hut in the uh, middle of the jungle and they uh, had two jars of rice in front. And I asked this uh, person, like, what's the deal with these jars of rice in this really tiny little village? And he said, well, this jar on the left is if you need some rice, you just take one handful and that's enough to get you through the night. Uh, and I thought that was so beautiful. And I asked, well, what's the other jar for? And he said, well, that's if you have a handful of rice to give, you can put it in there. And so in community, and this would be something that you spend some time focusing on is you just, you take what you need, you give what you got. 
And so that kind of idea that there's no agenda, it isn't because you have to, it's just that you come with a heart ready to just take what you need. And that takes a little soul searching to say, what do I really need? I need greater friendships. I need to get real about something that happened in the past or something I'm afraid of in the future. So it's like identifying your need and then making that known to some safe people. And then also giving what you got to say you're not here just to extract from the community, but to participate. Which is really the only venue for two things that you write and talk about a lot of joy and generosity. And it's, it's, it's almost impossible to find that level of joy. It is impossible to be generous in isolation. Yeah, I don't think we need uh, uh, a more information about these things. I think we just need reminders. So, you know, I'm grateful you have a book that's a reminder. Just say like, yeah, because I don't think that there's probably anything that you've written that's going to blow anybody's doors off. Like, oh my gosh, I've never, ever thought about that. I think what they'll do is they're going to see a familiar idea and a reminder uh, of the importance of that idea. And they go, oh yeah, I need to get back to that kind of uh, revelations too. It says like, my problem with you is that you've forgotten your first love. Like that first moment, like you touch knees with somebody on purpose and you're like, oh, because you're a thing. So uh, I want to go return to that first love or a time that has felt like community worked or um, that moment. It's like the end of camp uh, highlight reel of all the things that you did. Uh, what I want to do is create a couple more of those moments on purpose in community. That's great. And talking about forgetting it and returning to something. Last question. We're kind of, you know, all in different places as we watch this, but coming out of a year of isolation, a year of division, this kind of stuff. What's what's your hope, Bob, for your community and then the more global community as we come out of this season of COVID and isolation? Yeah, I think there's a big difference between being invited somewhere and being welcomed. So there's a, a couple of times, I don't know if this has happened to you, that I've been invited somewhere, but when then I got there, I realized I wasn't welcome. <laughs> like, we're so glad you're here. <laughs> and so that might just be good judgment on their part. But uh, maybe instead of inviting people to church, welcome them. Instead of avoiding the people that are difficult, realize those are the people Jesus engaged. I think I just flip it. So a mature community is one that's always making the table bigger, always not just saying, hey, you're invited here, but that when somebody shows up that creeps you out a little bit, to say like, hey, you are welcome here because I am coming here to learn, not to teach. And that kind of a heart uh, for all of us is uh, the one that will uh, give us ultimately really noteworthy life. So, cause so I got my pen out most of the time. I'm like ready to like learn. So teach me something. So I'm so glad you've done the tedious work about writing. That's crazy. What an accomplishment. It's like every word is spelled differently, right? <laughs> it's like, darn, just when you thought you had cat. Right. <laughs> and that's why God made editors. <laughs> and, uh, yes, exactly. Is this gray or gray? Exactly. <laughs> e A. Yeah. Right. The writing process is is a work in community in of itself. So that's, it kind of is. And uh, you know, to the point, sticking with that metaphor, like that, there's tedious parts of community, just hanging 
in there when it's rough, but to lift people's eyes towards the horizon, lift our own eyes, uh, even when it's difficult to say, I value this, I'm not going to yield to it. Uh, uh, people that are kind of, I'm not listening for the loudest voice, I'm listening for the truest voice. Um, and uh, so I just want to be the person, I, I got nothing to teach anybody, but I've got a ton to learn. And so I'm like, God, uh, you know, drops people in our path. And, um, and so I'm just so glad for this reminder to return to community. Well, thank you. Thank you for being that kind of person who shares stories and experiences and lifts many eyes to, to look towards something bigger. And thank you for your writing and your stories. And thank you for the time today, Bob. I'm really oh, thanks, man. Great job with the book. I'm cheering for you. Thank you. Dr. Doug Logan, president of Grimke Seminary, associate director of Acts 29. Thank you for joining me for a few minutes today. Oh, man, great to be here, brother. So glad. To ha thanks for having me, Ben. My pleasure. All right, Doug, what does genuine community look like for you? Well, for me, um, genuine community looks like a, a space for people to grow in intimacy, to know and be known, genuine community, which is oneness, not sameness. I mean, I think the beautiful picture of genuine community and perfect community is the Trinity, um, all in agreement, all in line. I mean, their dance steps would have been perfectly in sync at all times. There would have been no two verses, one vote. It would have been the Trinity would be this perfect beauty beautiful community centered and the beauty of genuine community is in order for it to be genuine true and real um it has to have something at the center that's genuine true and real which is jesus so as we centered around christ our unity flows out of jesus into one another though we can be different the community the commitment to unity is the same because it's centered around flowing out of and established by Christ and his perfection. Preach, brother. I love it. And yeah, that is really hard because we like our sin. It's difficult. What makes it so difficult? The hardest part about genuine community is that genuine for genuine gospel community to flourish you have to learn to not champion your preferences. Mm. You have to be able to die to self and you have to be able to live together in unity and pref over your preferences, esteeming one another more than yourself. The only time the Bible gives us authority to compete is, is to honor one another, um, to out honor one another. And that's a difficult reality. And so, um, when we think of also of the, the some of the hardest um, things is is particularly in the states, we have a me, me, mine mm. and we have our own brand of Christianity and our own brand of life that we bring to the table. And that's just so counter countercultural to the Christian faith. And that's hard for us to die because we've been programmed and many of us have rolled like that for 20, 30 years. And then we show up and we're told that Jesus is bigger, 
our love takes over. Mm. And though you think it's a great thing, it may not be the thing. As I like to say, sometimes your good thing is not the God thing. The God thing is to live in community with let your preference die and see the greater good of community go forth as the ultimate display of the unity of the body of Christ. Yeah. That's I love that. It's hard. It is hard. One of the things we drew out in, in writing a field guide for genuine community is that that's been God's design, though, from Genesis one, that light is different than dark and both work together for God's glory, that if land tries to become water, we're in trouble. Um, but but when they're both fulfilling their roles and, and being beautifully different, um, the, the, the togetherness, the Trinitarian reflection that you just mentioned is is there. And it's how God designed the rest of nature. We just don't like it um, as much. Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. It's something, it's, it's something pesky about that salvation of ours. We kind of got to obey God and not our preferences. <laughs> Turns out that's, is that what the, the laying down of our lives means, Doug? Huh. That pesky dying to yourself is a hard thing. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been a couple of the favorite glimpses of this that you've gotten. You've worked in hard places. You've, you've worked with people who are very unlike one another. Uh, what, are, what are some glimpses that you've gotten of this kind of community? Um, I mean, I, I guess, you know, and I'm a corny old dude. I mean, I guess some of the greatest glimpses for me, one was family, my oldest son, who didn't want to be bothered with Jesus for a long season, um, disagreed with me and how um, I fathered him. And he was right. I was a fool. I was a, 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 a I was hard on him. Um, in the name of Jesus, when it was really the name of Douglas, it, I was hard on him in the name of Doug, not in the name of Jesus. And then to repent and to see him come to Christ um, and for me to serve him his first communion after seven years. That was one element of me dying to my so-called way and then having community with him and then him being married and my grandkids now a part of the church. Man, that's crazy. Second is, man, I come from a lot of racism in terms of my family, my wife's family, and my family wasn't receptive of a white wife, me marrying a white woman and her family wasn't receptive of her marrying an African-American male, even though I'm like the coolest cat that they could have ever got as a son-in-law. But you know, I'm just saying. And um, <laughs> somebody's gonna tweet, Doug is arrogant. But yeah, um, I'm just joking. Yeah, Doug, um, so Doug is truthful. <laughs> So, yeah, to see people who called me the N-word, to see people who hated me because of my race, to then call, go from calling me the N-word to calling me pastor, mm. man, that's a beautiful thing of dying to self, the gospel tearing down that hostility and building us up as one big family. So those two elements, the element of family and the element of overcoming racism through the gospel. Man, what a beautiful picture of reconciliation, Doug. Praise God. Um, as we come out of this strange year of isolation, um, what's what's some of your hope as it relates to community, both for your own church family, your church community, and then as you work broader uh, with pastors and churches across the world? Well, here's the big thing for me is that the disruption of corona, political division, racial division, and all that 
we would come to realize that the format of community and unity, remember, community doesn't make sense without the word unity. Right. And so there's... There's a community that I don't want to be a part of. There's a community in hell of all races, kindreds, and tongues. I don't want to be that part. I want to be part of the one of all nations under Christ, all gathered around the throne with him at the center. And so what's happened is our format for for unity and community, Ben, has been shaken through corona, race, politics, elections. And the church needs to say, holy Holy crap, like maybe we need to open the Bible and mm. figure out what it means to be this countercultural, counterintuitive community that welcomes the least, the last, and the lost, where you can belong even before you believe. You can't belong to Christ, but you can belong to the community long before you believe, where the we take the broken, the 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 burnt out, and we receive them, and unity looks much more different than our clean, tied in a bow, um, um community where we try to do a recapitulation of Acts 2 without actually using Acts 2 because Acts 2 in the book of Acts they were a beautiful mess and people paint the picture of that early community of the of the first century church as this this beautiful plethora of diversity no they probably were fighting over food fellowship to use a table or sit on the floor fingers or utensils it was a mess but what was beautiful it was a beautiful mess because they were willing to get at it for the name of jesus so that's what i'm hoping man is that we throw out our fake formats and embrace the messiness that community requires as we seek to attain the unity remember ben we're already unified in christ we're working out what that looks like practically. I'm not getting unified with you. Me and you converted, Jesus saved us. You my brother, nothing you can do about it. But I've got to learn to be a good brother and you got to learn to be a good brother. And so community is, is the outworkings of the unity we have in Christ. And there is no format to that. Right, yeah. There's I no format that. It feels like a family, which is which is what we what we subtitle the book: moving from facade into family. And, and I love yeah. that just that in vivid imagery right there. Um, so, Doug, thank you so much for uh, lending some of your own insights and stories. I love your stories, man. You're you're such a good, faithful brother, and I'm so grateful for you. Um, y'all can learn more if you want theological training, which also values being in community as they're trained. Grimke Seminary. Uh, I would recommend highly to you, Doug. Thank you for the time today. Hey, Ben, appreciate you, man. Praying for the book, that it becomes a crazy tool to spark us on. It is so needed. Listen, after a two-year drought, seemingly 2020 and half of 2021 and summer 2019, man, we need a fresh glass of cold water about community, and I think this book is going to do it. Thank you, sir. I appreciate the time. Lord bless you, brother. Melissa Ice, founder and director of The Net here in Fort Worth, Texas. Thank you so much for joining me today. 
Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Ben. Yeah, and Mel, why don't you tell us a little bit about what the net is? Yeah, the net is just a local anti-trafficking organization. Um, something that we try to do is support survivors of sexual exploitation and um, trafficking and prostitution. And so one of the ways we do that is actually through community and relationships because we believe that everyone is worthy of the chance to rebuild their lives. And so our goal is to hopefully put ourselves out of the job by forming dignified community and building safe relationships for survivors of trafficking. Yeah, man, would God answer that prayer um, for sure. And what does genuine community look like for you and your family? You know, um, to me, I was thinking about this, and I feel like genuine community to me just looks like a safe place to be known where you don't have to be on. Um, so often in our lives, that's the case. Um, you know, whatever you're doing, whether you're, if you're, especially if you're a leader, you feel like you have to be on, and genuine community is a place where that's not the case. I think it's also where you can just be yourself and share struggles, but in the midst of sharing those struggles, actually being met with the truth of who God is. Those are my favorite parts of community is just being met with that truth when I really need it. And I think finally, genuine community to me, it's not a group of advice givers. Um, it's not a group of head nodders, um, but instead it's actually friends who seek to infuse the gospel into the parts of our heart that really need it the most. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that since you're local, I get to know about you is that as much as you and your husband both do for the city and and in business and in the work within that and that kind of stuff, one of my favorite things is just knowing the community you have with literal neighbors around you who have been formed together and actually do that. They're not, they go so far beyond just the normal quote unquote neighborly relationships that many folks have and actually go deep into each other's lives. So it's cool to see that. Thanks. Yeah. Try. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, and you mentioned trying, and, and it is hard, right? Like genuine community is hard to find. Um, what have been some of the most difficult things for you as you and Jamie have pursued this? What have been some of the most beautiful things as you've come to see it, though, too? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about it, and I really feel like the hardest part of community is actually being intentional and consistent. Um, which sounds very simple and tactical, but gathering a group of adults who have responsibilities, who have commitments, who have jobs, who have kids, and trying to get them all into the same place at the same time, I feel like it's truly an act of God. And so that, to me, is the hardest part, is actually fighting to make that time possible. But I also think that in the midst of it being hard, meeting and gathering is so worth it. Um, and so I think that it's absolutely something that we should be consistent in and should try to do despite those obstacles. And then I would say for me, my favorite part of community is just being prayed over by people who know me best. Mm. Prayer is the greatest gift of community, in my opinion, because it says, I see you, I hear you. Now let's go take this to our Heavenly Father who actually knows your heart far better than I do. And so prayer reminds us all that anything we could ever need is found in him. And so I can think of few things in life that feel most, more precious to me than being prayed over by someone who really, who really knows me. Yeah. I love that. And wants to meet that need by taking me to the real answer and the remedy, yeah. um, which is in, found in Jesus. So, yeah. I love I love the like the tangibleness uh, with which you said it was it made it so hard. Like just just time, it is a real thing, and all of our time goes so many scattered places. And 
the the beauty and simplicity but difficulty of, of praying for each other that's actually what we wrote on the on the last day of a field guide for genuine community because for all of the things that we talk about playing together and praying together is how we close the whole book of going if we can start with just those two things actually enjoying each other and then lifting each other before the father then then there's no better first step um enjoying each other absolutely enjoyed by god so i love that that that's one of your favorite parts yeah um, as we continue to, to move out of COVID, as, as the, the net continues to move forward with this mission, um, what, what are some of your hopes um, as we start to regather for community? Yeah, I think, I mean, this is obviously I'm biased with what I do and what I get to see, but I think my hope is that God's community would find themselves serving alongside one another mm-hmm. to see God's redemption unfold in the dark and pro- broken parts of our city. Um, really having a front row seat to seeing him bring people that he made in his image to beauty from ashes is such a, such a neat gift. And I think it does things and restores our hearts. Um, I love Isaiah 58 says that just by serving the poor and loving the least of these, it makes our bones strong. Our healing will spring up speedily. Um, There's so much reward to be found in it. And if we did that as a community, that's to me the greatest gift. I, quick story I did jail outreach this week with some friends where we got to meet we're doing jail outreach we're meeting women in their darkest hour and the goal is to offer them hope and encouragement and the feeling of leaving the jail as God's people on mission with one another was the most exhilarating feeling and one of my staff members actually asked me how I felt because I was tearing up walking to my car and I just said I almost feel like that was better than church um, I, I see the value in church and I love the local church and I love Sunday mornings and I wouldn't replace that with anything but it I just truly believe that sent people get to see and experience God heart, God's heart in a way that you can't if you aren't pushing back the darkness around you. And so that mutuality, that sentness, um, being on mission together is to me my greatest hope for community. Yeah, I love that. And, and even in that, like some of the beauty that you just described is because you were doing it together because um, individuals will often do something like that. But there's a richness to what you just described even someone to notice your tears and to ask you that question um, there, yeah. to, to doing that together. And, and I know that's some of what you've seen in the net, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Which is really, it's a gift. Yeah. Community in any form, whether it's being prayed over, um, serving people who are broken, just like we are doing it together, playing together, celebrating together. It's all um, one of the best gifts and something I'm really grateful for, for yeah. post COVID. Well, that's some of what we try to tackle in this book is try to ha- how to live this out in just general everyday life and the highs and lows and even just the, the normalcy, the simplicity and mundaneness of everyday life. So, Mel, thanks for modeling that kind of a life. Um, and thank you so much for joining me for a few minutes today to talk about it. Oh, my gosh. Thanks for having me. And thanks for writing this book. It's very practical. And I know a lot of people will be transformed by it for sure. Thank you very much. That is our hope and prayer by God's Spirit. Have a good day. You too. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Saturate Podcast. This episode was part of a special mini-series surrounding a new book that came out this summer called A Field Guide for Genuine Community. 
You can visit genuinecommunity.com for more info, for lots of resources to help groups and churches, and to download the first chapter for free. And to become a Saturate member, visit Saturate the World and get access to hundreds of resources to help and encourage everyday disciples and leaders just like you toward gospel saturation.